Are you ready? Welcome to Radio Grognard, King Size, the OSR podcast with more stuff with your host, Glenn Hallstrom. Hiya folks, old man Grognard here. Hope you're all doing well. It's a nice day. All right, what are we going to talk about today? Okay, how about this? Making your cities unique. All you GMs out there who have that kind of uh, thing. I feel that every city should, and I'm talking about cities now in a campaign world, not towns or hamlets, even though this can apply to them too, that each city should be unique in the way it's built, what it's known for, their citizens, or something like that. Something that you can hook on to tell the players this is the cheese-making capital of the nation. Or these people are known for their hospitality. No one will ever turn you away. That kind of thing. you got to think about something like that. And it's all you need is like one thing, maybe two. Sometimes, sometimes these cities are known for like, oh, they're known for their smoked fish and their architecture. You know, I like to mix it up. I, I don't like, you know, the same thing all the time. They're known for their tin mines. And they also make, re, they also harvest really good apples, the best apples in the country. There's something like that. That way you can hook them. And it also gives you an idea about the town. What it would look like. A town with great architecture is going to have these massive, not so massive, even small buildings are just beautiful, absolutely beautiful. You know, you've got cathedrals and temples and government buildings and stuff. They just look gorgeous. I'm thinking, right now I'm thinking of Austria. That kind, of, that kind of gorgeous. Uh, another, if they're known for their smoked fish, there's a lot of fishermen in town, and there's, you know, there's a lot of competition for it. They might have a fisherman's guild that you could deal with if you have to. And also, these these towns tend to, they tend to, they they take that to the nth degree. Sometimes, if you go to San Antonio, Texas. Practically every third business is named Alamo because the Alamo is there. That's another thing. There may be a town known for its sites nearby. You know, uh, the the dangling cliffs of Alboron or something like that. And they can do that. They may, uh, San Antonio does a great tourist trade. Through through having the Alamo there, and these cliffs may be famous. Maybe they're gonna have. Maybe they'll have like guides that you can hire. You know, take the famous uh, uh, cliffs of Alboron tour, or something like that. You know, tour never never discount. That's another thing. Never discount tourism as an attraction. If there is a town that relies on its tourism, like say like. I don't know, Vegas or someplace like that. If anything interferes with that, they're going to need somebody to take care of it. They're going to need people to take care of it. If there's a natural disaster there, people are going to have to take care of things. You know, maybe the natural disaster was caused by some kind of monster or monster settling in the area, ruining the tourism. 
Would you please go figure out what's going on? Great plot hooks. So think about that when you do like cities or other places like that. Okay, that's that. Hey, that was a pretty good one. And what else we got? How about the sewers in a city? I like sewers in a city because it's like you want a dungeon, you don't have to go very far, just go under the city. Now, what makes sewers unique? First of all, all the water in it. If it's any kind of working sewer, it's got a lot of water and sludge and crap in it. Now, that could be a good thing. That could be a bad thing. It will attract monsters other than like alligators or anything like that. It will attract monsters that are drawn to that kind of thing. Um, What's the name of that monster they put in? in the pits, um, even a pit monster, that'd be even better. Um, you know, Odiugs, maybe it tracks Odiugs because all the garbage, they eat garbage. Um, you all can also have secret rooms that maybe thieves guilds use or some other nefarious people like an evil wizard who's practicing necromancy in the, in the town and necromancy is outlawed. He's got a secret, he's got a secret lab. Maybe they have a secret temple to the God of death. Or something like that. There's all kinds of things you can put in the sewer. Plus, you have you can run into, aside from monsters, you can run into NPCs. Like, maybe there's a thief who's trying to get to a safe space or a safe house. Or even, and, you know, something, you're not going to find the guard down there, but you're going to find workers. You're going to find people who have to take care of the sewers or clean the sewers or do something to the sewers. That regular maintenance, basically. Your your PCs could be the maintenance crew in a sewer. Can you imagine a whole campaign with that? Wouldn't that be fun? I think. And it just it's kind of thing you got to think about, you know, uh, you know, and and all kinds of there could be treasure down there. People lose stuff all the time. It goes down the drain. It goes, you know, you you. This is there are people there are people back in the medieval days. There are people called gleaners. I believe that it's called gleaning. They would go through garbage and find stuff. Maybe your your PCs do that. Maybe they're running people, some people who do that. And and these kind of people, what I'm talking about, the maintenance workers and the gleaners and all these people, they know the sewers like the back of their hand. If you need somebody to help navigate these things, you could probably offer them some gold and they'd do that for you. Or just out of the kindness of their heart. I don't know. And they could also need people. There's plot hooks down there. They could need people to deal with some great big bad you know, critter that they can't handle, that the, the the maintenance crew can't handle. I mean, I've got, in my world, I have the gelatinous dudes who specialize in care and maintenance of dungeons. And these are, in my, see, in, I, I think I've explained it before. In my world, there's l- small dungeons everywhere. They used to be dungeons. Now they're like traveling rest stops or someplace like that, like the community takes care of it and stuff like that. And whoever founded the gelatinous dudes decided to fill in a need to keep these places up for travelers and things. And sometimes they turn back into dungeons. Maybe some critters take them over or something like that. You have to handle that. Same thing with sewers. There's a section of sewer that everything's getting blocked up because of this large 
the tentacled creature in there that's just blocking everything and killed a couple of maintenance workers. you got to deal with it. They will pay you to deal with it. Maybe there's a merchant who's having trouble down in the sewers for some reason over the, the sewers under his shop. That gets blocked. You have to look into it because he's seen like, you know, usually he has rats, but I've seen these giant rats come up. You know, that that's the kind of thing you got to think about. So next time you think about the sewers, that's the kind of thing you should think about. A lot of fun down there. I'll tell you right now. Sewers is a great place to be. Okay, here's something I haven't talked about in a while. Do you super? If so, what rule set do you use? I mean, super role play, superhero role-playing games. I've used three or four in my time. I have my favorites. But if you're going to get involved in a supers game, you got to know what you're going to be dealing with. Um, because... The superhero genre in role-playing is kind of unique, just like other genres like... I mean, it has... I think the thing that it's most related to, to me, is post-apocalyptic, because you got those mutants and all that stuff in there. So, you got to think about which system you want to use, how crunchy do you want it. Now, you know, ideally whatever system you use can handle anything you throw at it. Not so all the time, or, or it depends on how you want to throw it at it. I mean, I started with champions, which everybody says, Oh my God, that's so complicated. Do you have to? And it's like, if you can add, subtract, multiply and divide, you can do it. And it's a, how do I say? Yes, it is very granular. And, you know, I, I've, I've had my fill of it, to tell you the truth. I love it. I love the hero system to death. But I'm too old and too tired to try and figure out how to make a character. And just running the game tires me out. So I'm looking for something simpler. I went to, from there to Mutants and Masterminds, which I liked because it was like the best of both worlds. It, can't, it it had the OGL. First of all, it came down during 3rd edition. And it was the better of the role-playing games. And but, but it would have the six stats and things like that. But it was also granular enough where the powers and skills were not like you have to, you know, think about every single thing. They'd say if you put this much this many points into it, you get this. You put a little more points into it, you get this. And you know, you, you can still customize the characters, but it was in a more more chunky way. Chunks. And I found that a little easier to deal with. Also, there's there's uh, Villains and Vigilantes. I did not warm up to that game because it seemed to me too random because you rolled everything and I didn't warm up at up to it until the third edition came out, which the Mighty Defenders. I think it was 2.0 or 3.0, but it's V&V, you know, later edition. And they tend to hit a nice middle ground between between the kind, you know, the 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 granularity of champions and the 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 randomness of you know the first V&V. And I kind of like that. I kind of like the way they did it because you end up, you start with a base and then 
you get points based on that base, and then you start making your character, which I really, I, I really like that. Uh, Jeff D did a good job, and his partner did a good job on that. Um, and there's also my one of my favorites, Marvel Face Rip. Uh, my, I've, I've had a lot of fun with that lately. When I was playing Champions and Marvel came out the first time, I could not get anybody to play it. We played it once. And they said, well, we're just going to go back to Champions. This is a little too, you know, too, too loosey-goosey. But I know you roll for powers and stuff on there, but you can also pick them. I mean, you, yeah, yeah. In, in Mighty Defenders, you can also pick them. But usually I li- I'm to the point in my game where I like to, I like to, um, I just like to see what the dice do. I can always overrule it if I want, or if I ask the GM, or if I'm the GM. And Marvel just in that one, it's got that one chart in the back and everything is done on that chart. It's fun. I've never tried DC Heroes, uh, but I do have Blood of Heroes, which is the, D- the, the DC clone. And I like the concept of it, but I never played it. I like the concept of, um, you know, powers exponentially, you know, from one, for, you know, like uh, a power from one to two is twice as powerful as that. And then it gets doubled after that. So you don't have to have a big old range like in Champions. So, And also you got to think about how the game plays out. I mean, things like uh, Mighty... Uh, Mighty Protectors and Marvel. I mean, Marvel's got one chart, and you do it that way. Mighty Protectors falls more li- in the line of a D&D type thing where you have uh, armor class and things like that. I can't remember what it's called. Um, there's also one out there called Guardians I like from Night Owl Workshop because they took a basic white box D&D and made a supers game out of it, and it works. I played it once. It works. It's really good. So check those out. Night Owl does a great... They do some great stuff. And they all base it on white box D&D. It's like, what if Gary and Dave did this with it? Or what if they did that genre with it? So it's a, they're a lot of fun. Their Pirates game is great. Free booters. But yeah, those are the ones to try out. There's also Masks, uh, which is powered by the Apocalypse. And there's other... There's other games out there like that. So, you know, you got to think about about how you want to do it. And also what kind of genre. Do you want grim and gritty um, uh, graphic novel type stuff? Do you want four color stuff? Do you want, you know, there's all kinds of flavors you can do with it. There's also, um, while I'm thinking of it, Survive This Vigilante City by Bloke Games. That's an excellent one, too. That really, it's more of a street-level supers game, but you could expand it into four-color if you want. You know, world-shattering events. Also, the Index Card RPG has a version of Vigilante City with the Master Edition that you can play. I mean, you can get it separately, but they do have an ICRPG Vigilante City version, so you want to check that out. Anyway, those are my recommendations for Supers games, and there should be something there that you like. Okay, I want to end this with, there's one thing I thought about recently. I saw this monologue from uh, Craig Ferguson, this old monologue from uh, The Late Late Show, 
And he talks about how he doesn't like getting down on people as much as he used to, like making fun of them because where he'd been, uh, he's been, uh, he'd been gone through the uh, system and uh, he, at the time he was 15 years sober. So he did have a drinking problem and he dealt with it. Now, I wonder if you can make that into it. Can you, can you use that? How can you use that in a role-playing game? I mean, I've seen it, it's, it's a trope. I mean, it's not just alcoholism. It's like a fallen knight, a fallen priest, a fallen adventurer, someone who just got, they climbed into, they, they either they climbed into a bottle or they just got depressed and they're homeless. And basically it's their redemption. And maybe you got a whole group of PCs like that that have to support each other and build each other up. I mean, this is getting a little like, you know, like true life type thing, but there is potential for adventure there. Say somebody who believes in this guy are these people. He says, I want you to do this because I can't get anybody else to do it. And, you know, basically, if you guys fail, you guys fail, big deal. You're probably all going to get killed type of thing. It's almost a dirty dozen type of scenario. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you know, get you know, dirty dozen, doom patrol, whatever you want to call it. And you send them out, and you give them impossible odds. Well, impossible as far as a role, as far as a game mechanic thing. You might, I would, I would make it like near impossible. So you have these foes with a lot of hit points, and they're also. You also can deal with it like the the bad guys totally underestimate them. They just never thought these guys would send these guys in. This is going to be a cakewalk. And it isn't. Because the group finds their inner strength. They find their... They find what makes them great and use it. And they get through it with shining colors. Theoretically, that's the way it's supposed to be. I mean, they're going to still get killed. I mean, it's a role-playing game. Come on. But once again, the GM should be rooting for the players. So there's that. There's, you know, it's just it's just something that's really uplifting. And I think it would be a hell of an adventure, really. Anyway, I'm going to leave you with that one. Uh, i got to go start my day. So if you guys want to talk to me about this or anything else, oldmangrognard.gmail.com or drop a voicemail on Anchor. We are monetized. So as little as 99 cents a month, you too can help support this program. I would thank you. And if you want to do a single donation, go to my Ko-fi page, ko-fi.com slash oldmangrognard or my PayPal tip jar, paypal.me slash oldmangrognard. Let me thank these people who do give to me monthly. Gilbert Soares, once again, thank you for the the one, the one contribution, Gilbert, Juan Carlos Llewellyn, Benjamin Brodell, John Allen Large, and Aaron. Thank you very much. For other good podcasts, there is Dan Gregg's The Young Y-U-N-G, Young Grognard Podcast, Kevin at the Red Caps Podcast, Daniel Norton at the Bandits Key Podcast, Randy and Joe at Biggest Geek is Podcast, Big John Allen Large's The Red Dice Diaries, and my friend Eric Tankard's Tavern Chat. So, until I see you folks next time, keep the dice warm, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye. You got questions? You got comments? Send them to oldmangrognard at gmail.com. Tune in next time when Radio Grognard King Size is on the air.